Hey, good morning, Orangewood. How's everybody this morning on this rainy morning? Good, good. Good morning. It's good to be with you all. Hey, I, I would give you a warning as we begin this morning of the message. If we had seatbelts, I'd say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have been turned on. The seatbelt sign has nothing to do with the weather outside. Uh, really what God has for us today in his word, some amazing stuff. I mean, some very, very important stuff. Uh, we're going to be wrestling with what God has given to us that kind of explains life and death and what happens after death and, and where are we going to go and what about our souls and bodies and why does that matter about today? How does that affect today? So is that not a lot of stuff? I mean, this is amazing. And God's good word he given to, he's given to us We'll be wrestling with all of these things. So uh, let me encourage you to get a pen out. I'm going to be referring to a lot of different verses today, uh, obviously starting in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10, but we'll have other passages we'll refer to, look to. So um, put your seatbelts on, Orangewood. I think God really wants to come and meet with us and be teacher today. So as we begin, will you please join me in prayer? Will you please uh, bow your hearts and your minds with me? Let us pray together. Oh, Father God, your word and creation reveal who you are as a holy, holy, holy God. And Father, we also know of what we are. Sinful, sinful, sinful. How in the world can we not hide from you? But God, by your amazing grace, the most incredible work of your son, Jesus, who came to rescue sinners like me. And through his shed blood and righteousness that we cannot hide from God, but the amazing grace that we can now hide in God. We can now hide in Christ Jesus, that he is the rock that, that we can hide from the storms, that it is Jesus that gives us our identity. It's Jesus that gives us our life and gives us our hope, not only in this life, but the life to come. Thank you that we could hide ourselves in you, our great God. Father, because you love us and because you love us before time began enough to send your son to rescue us, would you continue to love us this morning by sending the Spirit of Jesus into this room, that you'd be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me. That, Father, you'd give us ears to hear, because it's really important stuff, that you'd be giving us ears to hear Jesus. That, Father, that you would shine into our minds the darkness and the, um, just the lack of understanding your light, so that we can wrestle with who you are and what, Christ has done for us. Father, would you lovingly wrap your hands around our hearts and God, would you reshape them to beat for your son, Jesus. Drive away any disbelief or fear or sin that resides there. God, would you come and be with us so tangibly? I mean, so much. I know you're here. I, I can sense that through your worship of your people. But will you be with us through the preaching of your word so so tangibly that when we walk out of here, that we would be empowered to walk in newness of life, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Father, would you come and receive great glory through the preaching of your word? And would you give us great joy and understanding? 
It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. In the 1400s, when Spain had conquered the known world, when they owned the Straits of Gibraltar, and they had what they knew all of the Mediterranean, and at the time, all of the known world was there. They had the audacity and the courage and the boldness to put on a coin a certain phrase. It had those pillars right there. And it had a scroll. And in the Latin, it said, Ni plus ultra, which means no more beyond. They thought that they had the gates of the end of the world in their very hand. And they had nothing else to discover. No more beyond. Spain had it all. That smack you is a little bit arrogant. Then there's some Spanish fellow, one of their own, who decides to sail the ocean blue in 1492. And when he sails the ocean blue, and guess what happens? There's more beyond. He discovers a whole new world. So they were pretty good. Those Spanish folks, okay, we got a coin here that says no more beyond. We got this fellow Columbus, and he went and discovered a new world. There is more beyond, and aren't we all grateful? So what do we do? Let's drop the knee. And let's just have on our coins, plus ultra, more beyond. Let me ask you a question as we begin. Let me ask you this question. Do you live your life knee plus ultra, no more beyond? Do you live your life thinking, oh, this is it? This is all I have. I mean, I got this uh, earthly tent we're going to talk about. I have my friends, family, my job. This is kind of it. And you live your life that way. Because we, if you're not here as one of those people, we certainly know a lot of people that way. That think this is it. Let's just try to squeeze all of life out of this little 70 years or how many ever we have. Do you live your life knee plus ultra? Or do you live your life plus ultra? That there's more. There's more beyond. I mean, there's more beyond this. There's more than we can see. And God is calling us to that. You see, the amazing good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God's Son stepped out of heaven and through His life, His righteous life, fulfilling all that God required, through His death, it was a, it was a atoning death, his, his death on the cross, paying for our sins, and through His glorious resurrection, conquering death, conquering our enemies, through, through Jesus, this amazing good news is it's, it's like a resounding proclamation, plus ultra, plus ultra. There's more beyond. Such good news. But church, I got even better news. Because Jesus didn't come and walk this earth and live the life we were supposed to, die the death we deserved, and be resurrected, so that all we lived for was more to come. I mean, this amazing Savior, this, this God in flesh, came so that today our todays can be energized. So that right now, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or are doing, that, that your day today means something to God. Your life, your existence now is important. Somehow the church messed this up along the way sometimes. Sometimes we thought that Jesus came and gave us life just so that when our hearts stopped beating, we'd be able to be with him somewhere. That is true, but there's so much more. Jesus came so that now we can have life and, ready for this, 
life abundantly. You see, in Christ Jesus, it's, it's more than plus ultra. It's basically carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize the day. But it's not just carpe diem. It's corum deo. Man, a lot of Latin today, isn't it? Carpe diem, corum deo means this. Seize the day for the glory of God. You see, this good news Paul told us about last week as we studied in 2 Corinthians 4. This good news, he calls it a treasure. It's God's treasure. It's, it's the treasure of knowing the glory of God reflected in the face of Jesus Christ. It's basically knowing God for who he is and Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And this treasure that last week we saw was in a jar of clay, your body. This week we're going to see this treasure is contained within an earthly tent. This treasure empowers the meaning of today. Because you know what you're doing? Every single one of you are living right now in temporary living conditions. You know that, right? I mean, what you're living in right now is a temporary living conditions. Do you like living in temporary living conditions? I hate them. I like to feel at home. I want to spread out and settle down. But what Christ has done, this good news of the gospel, it will give us ability to live in these temporary conditions. But it does more than that. God's grace seen in the face of Jesus Christ allows us to be able to live our lives through a chorus of groans. We're going to look at God's word today and we're going to see that even now as children of God, even now those of us by God's grace who are his, we live in the midst, not just a few, but in a whole chorus of groans. Do you hear them? Do you know that right now all of creation groans? Do you know that right now your dying tent, that, that, that body of yours is groaning? Do you know that there's a chorus of groans going on right now? And there's such good news. Because again, I think sometimes we've been sold a bill of goods thinking that if we know and love Jesus, no more groaning, no more sadness, no more depression, no more darkness. But we're going to see that knowing Jesus, yes, brings us all of that light and hope and future hope, but there's a lot of groaning going on. And we're going to learn today how to live our lives while groaning without complaining, while groaning while still praising. And lastly, what we're going to look at today, you want to follow along your both and you'll see it, we're going to learn what it means to, to walk by faith, not by sight. Last week, Paul said some ridiculous words that he's going to say again today through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Last week, he says this about your life. Focus on that which is unseen. Huh. Oh, that's easy. Don't look at the things that are seen. Don't look at the things that are temporal. Focus your eyes. Fix them on what is unseen. He's basically calling us to fix our eyes on Jesus and his kingdom. Today, he calls us and challenges us, walk by faith, not by sight. But we'll see there'll be a day that we'll no longer need faith. That we'll see Jesus face to face and we can walk by sight. Do you long for that day? Man, I tell you, Scripture says when we see him face to face, you know what? We're going to be like him. Oh, that glorious day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's look in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to be looking as we pick up right where we left off in 2 Corinthians. The first 10 verses of this amazing chapter, seatbelts on. Um, and we're going to be mindful that Paul wrote this to a specific church at a specific time. But because God really breathed into Paul these very words, well, no, they'll never lead us astray. And God, listen, God wrote this for you. 
He did right now. This is for you. It's designed for you to hear who God is and what he is calling uh, you to do and believe. So let's be grateful of that and hear God's word together. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 10. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present body. Someone say amen. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. I think there's a real misnomer for much of the church that when we die, there'll be like disembodied spirits playing harps for the rest of eternity. I mean, Scripture tells us that's not what's happening, and we'll find out how. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies, so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And it's a guarantee he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing, or we live by faith and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we'll be at home with the Lord. So whether you're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Uh, We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Again, let us pray. Wow, Father, what an incredible passage. So I truly beseech thee, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's in your name I pray. Amen. The first thing we find out is this, is that we are clearly living in temporary conditions. Paul tells us in first, in verse one that, that your body, he compares it to like an earthly tent, an earthly tent that is going to be taken down, that we will leave these bodies, that, that a day is coming where, uh, your earthly body will be no more. Now, this isn't news to anybody, right? I mean, we all know we're going to die, right? Uh, we all know that, that we've been there, we've done the funerals, we've done the memorial services. Uh, some of us are aging, and we can see that the fact that we're heading in a different direction. So uh, really, I don't need to spend any time saying our earthly bodies are going to die. But really, what emerges is two questions. When anytime we hear this, especially God's word, when we're told that our earthly tents are going to decay and die, we have two questions that need to be answered. The one, first one is this. What happens to us when we die? I mean, what happens to us? And I'm telling you, there's a lot of bad theology out there. There's a lot of uh, really wrong thoughts of what will happen to us when we die. And we have to look not just at our bodies, what will happen to our bodies, but, but what will happen to our souls. And where do we get this information? We get it from God's Word. I mean, we're not wise enough to know this. Again, everything I tell you now is according to God's Word. I've never experienced that either, right? And so the reality is, what will happen to us when we die? We'll examine that first. And then the second question, 
which is equally as important, or very important for today, is how will we live in these temporary conditions? Did you hear that? How will you now live now because of what God is telling us in his word? I do believe that the church of Jesus Christ oftentimes has missed the impact that we are supposed to be having right now because we live as if Jesus came to give us something that happens when our heart stops beating for that next life, that plus ultra. But there's such good news is that Jesus doesn't say to us, hey, it doesn't really matter what you do today. What you do today, it doesn't really count. Only what counts is what's coming. He says, no, I came to give life and life abundantly now. I've come to make your today's matter now. And I've come to give you hope for tomorrow. Okay, so what happens when we die? Well, when we die, our souls leave these bodies and we have a home in heaven, that verse 1 says. A home in heaven that God has made, not made with, with human hands. When Jesus with, with his disciples, uh, this is recorded to us at the, in John 14, uh, that last week of Jesus' life is John 12 through the end of John. But when he was with his disciples in John 14, he says this. He says, I'm going to leave. I'm going away. I'm going away. And he's talking about his death and his resurrection. But he says, hey, be of good cheer because where I'm going is to prepare a home for you. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Or maybe the King James you grew up with. In my father's house, there are many mansions, right? So Jesus is telling us, he's saying that, that when you're absent from the body, you will be present with the Lord. He went to prepare a place, a home for us. And we know that when our heart stops beating, for those of us by God's grace that are his, immediately we are ushered into God's presence. We have a wonderful picture of just that in Jesus' lifetime in the Gospels. When Jesus is dying on the cross and a thief that has faith in him, is dying next to him and cries out to him and says, you know, Jesus, when you enter paradise, remember me, if you know the, that story. And Jesus says, I got good news for you. Today, today you will be with me in paradise. So there, what happens to the soul at death? There's an immediate transfer for those who are God's children who embrace Christ as Savior, and they go to, with God in paradise. Our confession, our Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, really does a wonderful job bringing more light to this. The shorter catechism uh, question number 37 asks this, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? It says this, the souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness, oh how I long for that, and do immediately pass into glory. But listen, and their bodies, being still united to Christ, do rest in their graves till the resurrection. What that is telling us, and what Scripture says, if Paul's further longing for further clothing, is that it's not the end of the story. When you die and your soul goes to heaven, there is more. Do you know that right now in heaven there's groaning? Do you know in that paradise it's not perfect paradise yet. Full redemption hasn't come yet. It's amazing. Revelation 6.10 says those martyrs, those who have given their life for the cause of Christ, that right now they are crying out to God and here's what they're moaning and groaning about saying, how long? How long, oh Lord? When will you come back, Jesus? 
When will you restore all things? When will that day come? There is still more to come. How long uh, till this full redemption? You see, it's when Christ returns. Scripture tells us that that Jesus is coming back, not as a little baby in Bethlehem, that He's coming back. Don't know when. No one knows, knows except for the Father. But when Jesus comes back, He's coming back as King of Kings. I mean, He's coming back as Lord of Lords. And at that time when He comes back, we will receive what He's already received, a resurrected, glorified, heavenly body. Now, there's a few verses of Scripture that we need to turn to. So let's begin in 1 Thessalonians 4. If you're in 2 Corinthians, turn toward the back of your Bible. Paul also wrote this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to pick up in verse 13 through 18. And this is, this is what will happen when Jesus comes back. And we're looking specifically at a resurrected body. What do we have? So 1 Thessalonians 4.13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like those people who have no hope. Now, Paul is talking specifically about those who have died uh, before Christ returns. I mean, Paul pretty much, I think, thought that Christ might come back in his lifetime. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that When Jesus returns, that's that second coming, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So you got to picture this, the second coming of Christ. Christ comes and and those empty chairs beside you of loved ones that are with him now, they're coming back with him. And they're part of that amazing parade. Uh, They're coming back because why? They haven't received their full redemption yet either. More to tell. Let's look at verse 15. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns, when he comes back, uh, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. And so what will happen at Christ's second coming is that we will become like Him. We will have a glorified body like Him. Turn back with me to 2 Corinthians 5. You'll see that last week when we looked at verse 14, uh, last week in chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, uh, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. When we know when Jesus comes back and we're going to see him, there's such good news, we'll be like him. You know, this resurrection of Jesus, this bodily resurrection is very important for many reasons. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, some 500 eyewitnesses saw him. And when they saw him, he did very earthy things. He, he ate fish. He hung out with them. I mean, he, he said, touch me. He, he said, this is my glorified body. Do you know what he was doing? It was amazing. He was showing us the future. He was showing us what we will be like someday. 
Those of us who know and love him, those of us who are his, when he returns, he will give us, it'll be a reuniting with our souls and our glorified bodies. No more decaying, no more cancer, no more battling health issues, no more tears. Do you not long for that day? This matters. It's dying and decaying now. But someday he's going to resurrect it. And it'll be like Jesus. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. You see, Paul had already written a letter to the church at Corinth. And he went into great detail. That whole chapter, chapter 15, talks about the importance of the resurrection. He says this is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. So much important. This is its primary thing. And he says, listen, if Christ didn't, wasn't resurrected from the dead, let's just go party. If Christ isn't alive, we're foolish. We're just, this is a mockery. If Christ isn't alive, let's just go drink because tomorrow we die. But he says Christ has been resurrected from the dead. So 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23, it says that, that Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. What in the world does that mean? It means that Christ is the first one of the resurrected to conquer death and that he guarantees a harvest to come. So if you're a Christian, you're going to be part of that harvest. And we will be like him. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 57. It says this, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Again, he's talking about the coming of Christ. Some will be caught up in heaven. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. That's why Paul says, we're not going to be without a body for all eternity. We're not going to be some dismembered spirit playing a harp. We're going to have resurrected bodies. Um, we'll, uh, for our dying bodies must be transformed to bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have transformed into bodies that will never die, this, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is, a sin, uh, for sin is a sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what Paul is telling us is that we're going to be like Jesus. And we will, if you are a Christian, you will have a resurrected body like his. There is more to come. Plus, ultra is true. Turn with me. Let's look at one more passage. Let's look at Philippians. Uh, Philippians 3. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. It says this. But we are citizens of heaven. It gives us a great mindset. It reminds us of who we're living for, that our aim is to please Jesus, as we saw in verse 10. But we are citizens of heaven when the Lord Jesus, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he brings everything under his control. So the reality is, our souls immediately go to heaven and our bodies will wait for the resurrection when Jesus comes.
don't know about you. I hate living out of a suitcase. Do you? I mean, if I go anywhere for more than 24 hours, I unpack. I really do. I, I find some drawers or something. I mean, I want to have the feeling that I'm there to stay and I'm there to enjoy. I just got back from vacation. One of the first things I do, I empty out the bag and I, I put them in the drawer. I'm only there for a week, but I want to experience it this week. I don't feel like living out of a suitcase. Wouldn't it be difficult if we try to live our lives like out of a suitcase? I mean, how are we supposed to live that our, our lives have meaning in the midst of this temporary estate? What God is telling us is this. How many days he gives you, I don't know. Unpack. Unpack. Live here now for his glory. Unpack your stuff. You know, yeah, some people say, I'm just passing through. It doesn't really matter. No, 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 unpack. Unpack and make a difference right now. I mean, seize the day right now until he calls you home or, or he comes back and, and uh, gets us. Unpack and do good. It says at the end of this, this chapter in, in uh, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 10, 9 and 10, that we are now, our aim is to please God. He's coming, there's more. But he's empowered today. So, live for him, unpack your suitcase. What you do matters. Listen, Church of Jesus Christ, what you do matters. Plus, ultra does exist, but carpe diem, Seize the day for God's glory. Do you know that by God's grace and design that today, if you're his, today you're his ambassador? Do you know that today is the day that God would make, like to make his appeal to this world through you? Do you know that today, if you are his, you are the light of the world? Do you know that today is the day that you are to shine for him in darkness? Do you know that today is the day that you are to be salt of the earth? Today is the day you are to change this world through the gospel for his glory. Today is the day. We should live our lives as the Lord Jesus told us to pray our prayers. Lord Jesus, thy kingdom come. Lord Jesus, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. This day matters for the Lord. This day the Lord has made for us. This day the Lord has given to us to seize this day for His glory. But knowing the great hope, church, the hope that we know, but there's more to come. There's more to come. Living through the chorus of groans, we see through verses 2 through 5. Because our earthly tents are decaying and we are not home yet, because of the reality, listen, of plus, ultra, more beyond, it makes us groan. God has created us for more. C.S. Lewis says this. Listen to this quote. I'm going to give you two quotes and you've got to lean into them because they're really good. C.S. Lewis says this. There have been times when I think we do not desire heaven. But more often I find myself wondering whether in our heart of hearts we have ever desired anything else. Listen, it is the secret signature of each soul, the incommunicable and unpleasable, unappeasable want or longing, what you can't even communicate, what you can't appease that absolute longing in you. The things we desired before we met our wives or made our friends or chose our work. 
in which we still desire on our deathbed, when the mind no longer knows wife or friend or work. It's basically saying, you're made in God's image. You were created for plus ultra, for more. Lewis says that sometimes it's because we were created for more. Sometimes we think that we find that in nostalgia and longing. That sometimes we look back and say, was that, was that our heart's desire? I love what he says in the weight of glory. Lewis says that, that we've been created in such a way that we long for a scent of a flower we've yet to smell. We long for an echo of a tune we've yet to hear. We long for news of a country we've, we've yet to visit. And sometimes we think, you know what? Is it behind us? Was it in my childhood? Was it in my past? No. It's in front of us. Do you know that the writer of Ecclesiastes said that God put eternity in your heart? Not the person next to you, just them, but your heart. Do you know that God put eternity in your heart? Let me ask you, how do you fill eternity? Is there enough money in this world to fill eternity in our hearts? Is there enough sex to fill eternity? Is is there enough power, uh, prowess? Is there anything in this world that can fill a heart that's full of eternity or made for eternity? No. You know, I just did my fourth wedding in a row. I'm getting good at it. A few more, I'll be all right. I've done six this summer. and I got a couple more uh, queued up, ready to go. And yesterday, uh, the vows that the, uh, the husband and wife, Michelle and Chris gave, they kind of wrote themselves. And uh, one of the things was that, you know, I promise to love you unconditionally. Oh, my. <laughs> but I love turning to them and saying to, to the, bro- the groom, you know, you know, you, you can't love Chris. You can't love Michelle enough to make her happy. You know that, right? You, you, your, your love's not going to be good enough to make her happy. You, you can't fill eternity, Chris. Only God can. You know what this is telling us, church? Listen, listen, this is telling us this. We got Jesus. And man, is that awesome. But do you know there's more to come? Do you know you got eternity in your heart? Are you groaning right now? Does is, is your life have a groan? Mine does. Constant. Is your life a longing for more? I mean, do you love Jesus and yet you still think, I just want more. I still hurt. I'm still broken. I'm still weak. I'm depressed sometimes. God made you for more. Even in Christ Jesus. Rejoice. We got him. We love him. And we, we've, been, we've been clothed in his righteousness now. I mean, we have a clothing now, but I want you to know there's more to come. This isn't it. We're, we're, we're going to be totally set free from these dying tents. We're going to be given a resurrected body. My brothers and sisters, we're going to see him face to face. Don't think for a moment that being a child of the king means that you're exempt from groaning. Because God made you for eternity in paradise. Of course you groan. I got to tell you, there's a chorus of groaning right, going on right now. That there's a chorus of groaning, not just in our hearts, but in all of creation, because God put eternity in our hearts. Let's turn to Romans 8. Romans 8. Everybody knows Romans 8, 28. What is Romans 8, 28? For all things work together for the good, to those who love the Lord and call the according to his purpose. That tells you, snap out of your groaning. groaning. All things work together for the good. Snap out of it. But read the verses right before it, and you'll realize there's a whole lot of groaning going on. Romans 8. Verses 19 through 22. 
says this, for all of creation, creation itself, that's the stuff out there, is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. That future day when Jesus comes back. That creation is looking forward to that. Against its will, all the creation was subject to God's curse. That was part of man's fall and rebellion of, the, of, of God. The ground was cursed. But we, with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from de- death and decay. For we know that all of creation has been what? Groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Isn't it amazing? I just was at the ocean. It's beautiful. It sings God's story, but it's groaning. All of creation is growing, groaning. And then in verse 23, it says this, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us of a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Did you hear that? Did you just hear what God just said? Do you hear that? You can't, can't miss that. He says, we have the Holy Spirit We are loved, we are forgiven, and yet we groan. Can I please, as your pastor, give you biblical permission that God's word says that we're going to groan for more? Not materialistically more, not becoming more wealthy with this world, but there's more to come, plus ultra. I want to see him face to face. I want to be like him. And we're going to groan until we see him. Verse 26 and 27, not only do we groan, it says the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But listen to this. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with what? With groanings that we cannot express in words. Are there a chorus of groanings going on here, longing for Jesus to come back? Creation is growing. Christians are growing, groaning. The Holy Spirit is groaning. Hebrews 10, uh, 7.25 says that now Jesus, our high priest, he lives to intercede for us. He lives. What is he doing? He's, he's, he's groaning to the Father, reminding the Father, how long? Let's go. Let's bring this thing to a conclusion. Remember what I've done for them. There's a whole lot of groaning going on. I mentioned it early that the saints in heaven, those martyrs, what are they doing? They're groaning. Come on, there's more to come. So how do we live? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, but all those groans have been swallowed up in life. The resurrection life of Jesus plus ultra. Lastly, living until there is no more faith. Verses 6 through 10. My brothers and sisters, there will be a day when you will no longer groan. There will be a day if you're His, and that will be the day that you no longer need faith when you have perfect sight of Jesus. Living until there's no more faith. That's what we're called to do because we have sight. Remember, my brothers and sisters, we're not home yet. Remember, my brothers and sisters, for those empty chairs that break our hearts, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Remember, my brothers and sisters, that today we're called to walk by faith and trust our great God who has given us life, who has prepared a home for us, who never will leave us nor forsake us, who truly will work everything out for our good in his glory. Walk by faith, not by sight. Aim to please God 
What you do matters. Aim to please God because what you do matters. Do you know that if you're a Christian, you'll never be found naked? Huh? If you're a Christian, you'll never be unclothed if you're in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself, God's own son, came to earth and he put on an earthly tent, a jar of clay. God in flesh, can you believe that? He put on an earthly tent and it was torn down, torn down for us and rebuilt, rebuilt through a resurrection. And now he proclaims plus ultra, more beyond. And in Christ Jesus, if you're his, do you know that he's clothed you today? Do you know that? Do you have that joy and reality that in Christ Jesus, you're already clothed? What are you clothed with? I mean, he's washed you with the blood of his son and he's clothed you in his righteousness. Today, you have the audacity to stand before a holy God. Today, you are clothed in God's presence. And when it says there'll become a day that you'll have to stand before Jesus and give an account, let me tell you, if you're truly his, don't fear that day. There'll never be a second that you're not clothed before God. Never rejoice, but long for further clothing. Long to put off this earthly tent and put on that glorious body. Because when we were clothed, he's not only clothed us now, he will clothe us again and we will be like Jesus. So aim to please him. Oh, how he loves you. Aim to please him. Oh, how he's provided for you. Aim to please him. And here's how you do it. Live your life showing the world that today matters for Jesus. It matters. I'm the light of the world today. And tomorrow has hope. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Coram Deo. For the glory of God. Let us pray. Father, thank you for answers to what happens when we die. But not just answers, but hope. Eternal hope. God, you are so glorious and so marvelous. And the work of your son is so astounding that our today has meaning. It's important. And our tomorrow has hope. Father, I pray that there's anyone in this room that right now is naked before you, that they're unclothed, that they haven't come to Christ as their Lord and Savior. By your grace and for your glory, you would give them the eyes to walk by faith and to see Jesus who he really is. That, to, that, that this moment embracing you as Savior, they'll be clothed before a holy God. For the rest of us that are yours, that long for more, Help us to remember that that longing is part of what you put in our hearts, eternity. And you've created us for more. And it's okay to groan. As long as we are groaning, being thankful for what we have, knowing that you'll give us a glorified body like Jesus. Father, may this church be a place, a true city on a hill that shines for you. Carpe diem. Coram Deo. Seize the day for the glory of God. Amen.